Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Robert Frost Welcome to The Lost Traveler. I'm your host, Henry Cameron Allen. And today I have a very special guest, a brand new friend, O.J. Rushton, who is a coach a composer, uh, an author, a music director. Uh, she directs a, an online choir and is part of a national peace project as well, right? You're a director of in Australia. Correct. Welcome to The Lost Traveler. I'm thrilled to, to have Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me on. I am just so honored to be here. Thanks. And we just, uh, we did a, one of your shows together. Um, the, 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 the daily grind. OJ's the daily grind. Yeah. The daily grind. <laughs> love, love that. It was great. It, it's great getting to know people. One of the things we talked about is uh, the, the frequency that, that seems to be matching up with people who are sort of cut from the same cloth, as it were, and, and you, know, find, you know, find the same impulses that are, are needed and an attitude of service and really, really coming at the world from the heart. Um, and I really yeah. am getting to know you just through this conversation. And, and uh, we met through another group uh, as well, uh, Amy's group. And, uh, and, and, and we're, we're finding those people, aren't we? What do you think that's about? We are. Well, I think, and I think you referenced this a little while ago in our previous conversation, just about the fact that we are all connected. And I think, uh, although I think we're connected through the universe, we are all, and through our DNA, as we talked about, yeah. that we're also connected these days through technology. And I think technology gets a bad rap about all the things, all the bad things that have changed because of technology. But I think we have to stop and acknowledge the good because, I mean, let's face it, through this crazy time of COVID, you know, we're in a global pandemic, you're stuck in Spain, I'm stuck in Australia, even though it's where I live. Yeah. Uh, technology is connecting us, technology is giving us a sense of community. And I think that has to, I think we have to acknowledge that that is part of it. And that technology becomes a vehicle through which we can connect. And, you know, that those of us on that you know, those frequencies, we find people on the same frequency, but how do we do that? Well, I think technology is, is part of that. Yeah, I agree. It's a vehicle. 
Um, we, it, it's how we use it, you know, and the impulses mm. behind it can be used for trafficking human beings. It can be used for selling yeah. weapons and, uh, you know, I mean, there's this sort of dark underweb as well that, that's, that yeah. nobody really knows much about. And, uh, you know, things are, are traded and sold there that we don't even want to think about, let alone talk about. But what we're seeing emerge right now, I feel, um, you know, sort of an unveiling. There's, a, there's a, 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 an exposure of, of all the good and all the not so great uh, aspects of our humanity. There's one, uh, have you ever heard of Rudolf Steiner? Yes. The Steiner schools and the Steiner schools. Yes, we actually have one here. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I was involved uh, with with Steiner schools in the U.S. and then also have done some theater work in the anthroposophical yes. world. And one of the things that really struck me um, that he would talk about in terms of his movement, anthroposophy, which basically means anthro human. Sophia, meaning wisdom, right? So yeah. it yeah. puts the human being at the center of, of you know, consciousness and uh, presents these sort of forces outside of us that we're connected to and call them temptations, right? One is sex, drugs, and rock and roll up here. <laughs> and then the other one is technology and, you know, everything you know cell phones and computers and industry yeah mechanicals and earthbound yeah. and down here and the image that he presented was the human being sort of in the figure of the christ not not jesus christ the person but the christ consciousness mm. and the you know the the sort of you know center of of good and evil and and yeah and right and rather than the arms being extended like the letter T, as you see on the mountain mm -hmm. of Rio de Janeiro, right? That's the gesture mm -hmm. of Christ, mm -hmm. even on the cross. His, he's got one hand extended upward and another hand extended downward, keeping those temptations at bay, right? Mm -hmm. That it's the human being that's at the center and the power of, of sort of not allowing oneself to be manipulated by those things, but actually yeah. being able to be conscious of their existence, be conscious of the power that they have for both good and yeah. evil. But ultimately yeah. we are as human beings in the unique position of responsibility for how we are. They are and that, that actually, that brings me to uh, I love that. something my mother told me uh, when I was young and I, lost my brother very young to leukemia and I was trying to make sense of the world as an eight-year-old and I couldn't understand I, uh, why it had to be my brother you know why couldn't it be someone else's brother you know why did why did this all fall on me and of course you can imagine a, a young mum <laughs> trying to answer these unanswerable questions to her very angry daughter at the time and, uh, you know, she said something to me that really has helped shape my life. And I think it, it's really at the center of what you're saying of personal responsibility. Because at the end of the day, she said, I don't know 
why these things have happened. I don't understand. I can't answer those questions for you. But what I can say to you is this is either going to make you a bitter person or a better person. Bitter or better, it's your choice. And we're going to take a brief pause right now to hear a word from our sponsor. And I think, you know, what you were just explaining about the, the, the personal tech, you know, personal responsibility is that at the end of the day, it's choice, isn't it? Yeah, we get to choose whether we take or reject those things that's and how we use them. Across culture, we see that. Yeah. That's, that's an essential part of our humanity. And, you know, I, I think that it's easy to get lost in all of it. And especially for a young person. I, how old were you when the, uh, the planes hit the, uh, the World Trade Center in New York? <laughs> Too old. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, so I was, I was in my 30s. Okay. I was in my 30s. So we were about uh, so I was, age. And, and, we are. and I was working with children. I was actually working, uh, teaching in a Steiner school. And we were out on the play. Oh, wow. We were out on the play yard. And I remember that moment. And, you know, when we were called in and we were told. And the thought occurred to me that night as I was sort of trying to figure out how as a guide to young children, how can I hold this and how can I hold them through this insane? Yeah. And the realization came to me that nobody was telling children at that time that those planes weren't hitting the buildings over and over and over in every part of the world. Young children did not have the capacity to understand what was really happening. And I don't think that any adult at that time, because we had never faced anything like that in our lifetime, no. had the mm. tools to be able to hold these kids through that. And I have to wonder if that didn't spark something in the development of these young children who are now, today, uh, in their 20s and, and yeah. 30s, right? Um, what do you think about that? I, I, I think that, that it's, it's, it's very hard not to get caught up and lost in, in technology. Um, this really- Yeah, yeah, I, I think, look, I think again, coming back to that sort of personal responsibility and I guess for me, I, I mean, you know, uh, as an educator as well, and uh, you know, I've been kind of in, in music Perform, you know, performance coaching education uh, most of my life is I think teaching, teaching children how to think, not what to think, mm -hmm. and then teaching them about boundaries and encouraging them to make their own boundaries, not telling them what boundaries they should have. Because that's the first, I mean, obviously you tell a child, don't go there. What's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to go there, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just human nature, right? right? So I think that's the thing. Um, and, you know, what I, I, I teach my children in the choir, because we're an online choir. So we do a lot of stuff online. 
we use technology to connect us around the world and now with COVID 100% so, right. uh, we, we, you know, there's no other way, otherwise we would cease to exist. Uh, so how do you do that? And I think, you know, one of the things, uh, drawing from an experience of my childhood, my dad was a very wise man. And, you know, I remember the era of, of when television turned up in our lounge rooms mm -hmm. and there was a lot of controversy at the time about whether this was kind of some horrendous thing that was taking the control and, you know, that was turning up in people's homes and teaching children. And, you know, in a sense, it was kind of, a, it was the early days of technology, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, so I had friends whose parents absolutely refused to get a television because it was like, oh, it was dangerous. And it was like, oh, all these horrible things. And then I had friends who it was free reign. It was like, there was a television, you could watch whatever, you could do whatever, you could listen to whatever, that parents didn't really care, right? So I had this kind of polar opposite of my friends. And um, my dad kind of, I feel, was trying to sit in the middle a little bit mm -hmm. and would sit down with me and we would watch television together and he would be like, you know, I would, we, something would come on that would be like, okay, should we be watching this? Okay. Why should we be watching this? Why shouldn't we be watching this? What, what decisions are you going to make? You know, so, you know, he would say, here is the on button. Here is the off button. Here is the change channel button. This thing is your servant. You are not its servant. You do not have to blindly sit there and watch what comes in front of you. You have choice. You have to step into personal responsibility and make choices for yourself about even whether you will watch this, you know, should you be watching television if you have homework, you know, is this something you should prioritize? Where are your priorities? And I think technology in a sense is a similar thing. If we can teach our children how to harness technology, use it for good, but set their own boundaries, teach them how to think, how to make logical decisions, how to problem solve, how to be solutions driven. You know, is someone is being bullied and I do not like this online. That is a problem. What can I do about it? You know, what, what decisions should I make? is there something I can do to actually help fix the problem or is it something that I just shouldn't be involved in and I need to walk away from? Do you see what I'm saying? Like that, I think yeah, to me, that's a real key moving forward for well, our children. And that comes down to life skills and recognizing yeah. being able to self-evaluate to say that I am equipped to handle this or I am not equipped yeah. to handle this. If I don't have the equipment in my toolkit, to meet that problem, right? Yes. And let's go find someone who does. And I think that's part of the conversation yes. missing a lot with, with you know, uh, teaching children is, is that permission to ask for help. If you can't find yes. it in your immediate surroundings, like with your parents, because certainly yeah. not every parent is gonna be proficient in everything. And no. most parents indeed are quite deficient in many, 
essential life skills. Especially technology. Especially <laughs> technology. And, and we're finding it with schools as well. You know, another thing I appreciated yeah. much as a parent and as an educator at the Steiner School, in America we call them Waldorf schools, um, is that they encourage delaying the use of technology as long as possible to allow yeah. children to unfold their capacities organically and naturally through every stage of their life and to give them a foundation in connecting to themselves into connecting yeah. other human beings to the natural world of animals and plants that, that yeah. technology removes us from and presents us with a facsimile. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the beginnings of, of audiovisual technology with radio, right? Yeah. The first yeah. radios. And, I, and we're of an age where we could actually ask our grandparents, do you remember the first radio? <laughs> the yeah. First plane, the first car, right? They, technology was meeting them. They were born on the heels of the Industrial Revolution, right? Yeah, absolutely. The educational system that we see in the world today is not much. Based on that. It's based on that to get children out of nature, off mm. farms, and into classrooms and eventually yes. into factories, really dehumanizing yes. them. And to, so, exactly, to be workers. That's right, to be work worker bees. <laughs> that's right? the whole education so what system. What we were presented with, with the first radio, was not a symphony orchestra, that if you have listened to a symphony or a choir, right, in person, there's a, there's a frequency, there's a vibration, there's energy being shared between human yeah. beings that cannot be replicated mm -hmm. through and, yeah. and Steiner. Which is why I can't wait till COVID's over and we can go yeah. back to oh, singing. Oh, <laughs> well. we're, we're all sitting here planning yeah. for it. See, yeah. Because we know it's yeah. going to happen. We also know it's going to change and that it's going to take some time. Um, yeah. But to have this particular conversation is so important, and I'm glad we are, because yeah. it's yeah. not only for children's sake, but for our own. Listen up. How can a sock, a patch, or an insole help so many people live their best lives pain-free, balanced, and strong? Scientifically speaking, there is a proprietary pattern embedded in Vox, socks, and insoles that touches specific neuropoints and other receptors in the metatarsal or ball of the foot, creating homeostasis or balance in the brainstem. This prime real estate in your brain is responsible for automatic functions like balance, stability, strength, power, range of motion, flexibility, mobility, and so much more. The Vox patch works in the same way, but it uses receptors on other parts of your body to elicit the same response. The moment your receptors touch this Vox technology, it opens up communication pathways throughout your unique system, allowing you to become instantly stronger, more balanced, have less pain, and increased range of motion. In short, Vox technology helps optimize the brainstem, allowing your body to self-regulate and self-heal. Vox products are non-electrical, non-invasive, have no negative side effects, no metals, magnets, or plastics, and are drug-free. Results are instant, scientifically proven, and time-tested. 
for a limited time buy any two items and get one pair of socks or thin insoles free a savings of up to fifty dollars contact diane dinkmeyer at voxlife.com for more info that's diane dinkmeyer at voxlife.com you'll be glad you did to remember that in most places in the world, you can still go out and stand in the grass and breathe fresh air. You can, even if you're in stage four lockdown, you can still do that. For lockdown, I know that, you know, you guys went through uh, those horrible devastating fires uh, last year. And in America, the whole West is on fire. (gasps) I know, I've seen that on the TV. guys can empathize with that and so it may be difficult actually to step out into nature and breathe um well it is at the moment for us mm-hmm. uh we can and nearly the whole country except for melbourne um is is not in major lockdown i mean right. you know we have still have restrictions right. Right. in most places but um even in melbourne you're allowed to go within a 5k radius you can walk so you can go outside and you can walk your dog you can have one walk a day all of that stuff and i think that's the thing um i think i said you know when we when we chatted on the 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 other thing that we connected with that other group and uh, i think the question was asked how have you got through this time and i mean i think just getting out and i've encouraged so many people that I've spoken to and, and even on the daily grind, even though that is, a, you know, people connecting through technology, it's get out and walk, open the window, stick your head out the window. If you, if you live in an apartment, get oxygen into your brain, you know, into your airways from the outside world, get the sunshine on you, even if it's from inside and you can open a window you know, just make sure you, our bodies need that. And if you can earth yourself, take your shoes off and actually connect to the ground, connect to the earth, to the grass, to the sand, to the rocks, you know, that is amazing for your headspace and walking. um, I just recently heard a really great interview on one of our local radio stations here uh, about a woman who uh, she she had quite a bit of loss in her life and she was very lost. And so she decided just to go out for a walk one day and that led one thing led to another and she has walked all over the world. She has climbed mountains. She has, you know, done that. And she's written this amazing book about, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but just about the the research that's been done on even just walking the act of getting out and walking and and being in the elements and the trees and nature and there's a whole heap of science around that that yeah. is just incredibly important for well, human we fall, beings we fall out of and routine. our mental health we fall out of routine and i think to be able to yeah. make that part of one's routine especially if you have a family with children um, yes. what do they say it's it, you do something 32 times and it becomes habit or something like that you something know like that <laughs> frankly and and for those that are listening uh, who have young kids who are mm-hmm. essentially addicted to technology um, it's yeah. really hard to pry it out of their hands and say let's go for a walk you know yeah. if you're in an urban center um, yeah. where are you gonna go to, to plant your bare feet 
in in the earth or or anywhere where there may not be a, a hypodermic needle sticking out of the dirt. I mean, it's yeah. there so many. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's we we think about privilege and we think about luxury. Those of us that have, I'm in extremely rural Spain right now, so I don't have it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, when I was when I was in an urban center and I was teaching, um, I would often take uh, my students out even onto the the pavement in the in the play yard. There was no real grass or anything there, and it was just a fenced off area of asphalt and I'd have them lie down on the asphalt as long as it wasn't too hot and have them close their eyes and listen for sounds of nature in the city yeah. even in yeah. the city you'll hear the wind you'll hear yes. you know the birds right or yeah. a dog barking off in the distance somewhere in someone's yeah. flat you know <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely so to start a tuning, and this is, again, this is ageless, this is universal, this is timeless. You, you, you yeah. can find ways. There's always a way, but to even during this, even if you are in severe yeah. lockdown, there are yeah. ways to do it. And, and permission is a powerful thing, isn't it? It is. Actually, I've got a friend who taught me a very powerful focus meditation. So if you need to go, if you need to, you know, create, you know, work, whatever, whether it's on technology or however you need to do it. Um, and this is like, it's so amazing because doing this is so far removed from technology, but it actually helps kind of ground and center you as a person. And it's a really, really simple technique. And I, I don't know whether your listeners would be interested in maybe just learning it. It's so oh, simple. Please. Yes, absolutely. And it works. It's amazing. So you need to leave technology behind for this. And walking is the best way to do this. But if you can't walk, you can still do this by opening a window so that you can hear the outside world and be connected to the outside. Because I know a lot of people in lockdown have just stayed inside and like binge watch Netflix and all of that sort of stuff. You need to put technology away, turn off the television close your phone, go outside. And if you're walking or if you're just standing, the first thing you do is you ask yourself, what can I see? And then you name all the things that you become aware of. You know, I can see a bird. I can see the sky. I can see the grass. I can see the leaves on the tree i can see the the and be as descriptive as you can the brown bark on the tree i can see a yellow daisy i can you know and you do that for as long as you know your brain allows you to see more and you, you do you go oh and i can see and it's like i spy you know the old car game we used to play and your brain just starts going oh and i can see this and i can see that and then when you've seen all of the things that you're just conscious of in that moment, then you say, what can I hear? And you can do that while you're walking or when you're standing. Um, you can even just like sit outside on a balcony and just, you know, with your feet up and a cup of tea, you can do this. It's amazing. And so what can I hear? And then you say, I can hear my feet walking. I can hear dogs bark. And it's like what you did with the children closing their eyes and you just become aware 
and you know what can I feel and you just go through all the senses and it is the most invigorating experience you should try it Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. amazing absolutely well this is you know and it's so it's, simple it's so simple and if you make it a practice then you're you're tuning into your senses and your abilities and we have more than five senses people this is another thing i we teach do. kids and adults alike and you know this in coaching you know we have a sense of humor we have a sense of yeah. beauty a sense of danger a sense of impending doom, right? Yes. We have many, many <laughs> senses around us, a sense of another person's energy, right? Or an animal. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, so it, it does, it opens us up to so much more of our human experience than we're allowing ourselves. As I say, technology, you're not, it, it's dead energy. We're having a great conversation Absolutely. right now, but those of us who are listening, to one another are listening to a facsimile. There's no living energy exchange between us. And that's the danger yeah. zone, I yeah. think. And especially now, it's we have to think of this as temporary. This is not gonna yeah. be forever where we're limited to um, you know, virtual hugs. Uh, yeah. You know, we need- Oh my goodness, I can't wait to actually yeah, properly hug God. everyone again. I know, <laughs> it's I mean, I keep thinking about these, you know, children and we were talking about Eastern Europe earlier, you know, and there are so many uh, orphanages where horribly children are not touched and they die. Yeah. This is, they become very, very uh, disturbed. And, and But sadly, I don't know if it's like this where, where you are in America, but in Australia, it's getting more and more in the education system because yeah. of domestic yeah. violence and you know sexual abuse and all of these horrible things that where human touch has been violated and and it's been you know broken down um is, is that like teachers are not actually allowed to make the first move to touch a child like they have to be the one and so i you know i see some dangerous things happening i mean i get why they're happening and yeah. I think there has to be boundaries around, you know, touch and all of that stuff. But I, yeah, I agree. It's, you know, that the need for human touch and even hugs. I don't know if you, there's been some great studies done on hugs and how, you know, a five second hug and a 15 second hug and a 25 second hug all have different meanings. That's right. To, and they all have different, um, what's the word 
they, they have benefits. Benefits, yeah. They trigger benefits in the human system. In your, they in your do. nervous system, in your digestive yeah. system, in your mental. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important. It's vital. And I think that it, there are so many questions right now and, and it's easy to find, you know, one of the gifts of technology is that we are privy to much more information than we ever have been in history. Yeah. But with that comes a lot of misinformation as well. And it's hard to sort out yeah. what's true. Yeah. We're looking at government leadership around the world. Yeah. Is now, you know, ha has everyone questioning truth. Uh, yeah. And, and I always come back to how are, how are children meeting this? How are children seeing this? How are they processing this? And what can we do in the parenting generation to guide them when we ourselves are feeling doubt and uncertainty and misgivings, yeah. mistrust, uh, mistrust in human touch. You know, there are these, these amazing, yeah. uh, like the Me Too movement where people are finally, women and men are talking about their experiences that have been hushed for so long. Uh, yeah giving a lot of young people permission to own themselves and to be empowered to say, this doesn't feel right, so yeah. it's not right. And, and to be able to talk about it if they have been violated, you know, at the same time. And I think that's, and I think we need to, there needs to be some education around that yeah. and some enabling around that, because I still think that there's a lot of, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, shame and blame and, you know, society hasn't caught up yet to being okay with people talking about that, especially when they're often talking about, you know, local leaders and stuff like that. So I think there still needs to be a lot of work done in that area and, uh, and also domestic violence. I mean, in this COVID situation, uh, you know, the, the domestic violence has risen because people are stuck with often perpetrators in their home, whereas once they could get out, they've been locked in to unhealthy situations, you know. As a child growing up in a violent home, oftentimes school is the only refuge and to yeah. not have that out, to not have a place to go where you can feel safe um, yeah. we have to be preparing for receiving the other side of that, you know, and, yeah. and having uh, mental health care in place uh, for protecting yeah. and for supporting the journey in the future of these kids. We don't know that yeah. we're all, this is why this is called the lost traveler. We are all. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to find our way through. <laughs> but, you know, hey, we can find it together because Absolutely. of these kinds of conversations, you know? Yeah. There's nothing planned here. There are no scripted questions. What's coming forward is exactly, precisely what we need to be talking about right now. You and I, yeah. invariably, there are going to be other people out there. I have listenership in over 20 countries now. And there yeah. are going to be people invariably who are going to have the same questions or didn't even think that they, that, that they had these questions. They didn't know yeah. until they heard it right now. Exactly. So I, I appreciate 
your candor and your openness and sensitivity to, to be able to share your experience here. Um, if you were, if you were going to reflect back and, and think about three things, let's say that you would want people to take away from this conversation. Not to put you on the Yeah. Screen, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, a practical, practical. Yeah. Practical stuff. Okay. So here's, here's three things just off the top of my head from just what we've, what my heart is saying from what we've discussed. Yeah. Uh, firstly, I think it's really, really important that regardless of where you're at in this unprecedented time of global pandemic in history, I mean, it's not unprecedented in that there have been global pandemics, but never in the world we're living in right now, uh, is to be connected with yourself and with the, the outside world, like go walking, get into the fresh air, get the sunshine, you know, for your mental health sake. <laughs> um, I think that's a really, really important thing that we should all be taking personal responsibility for how we feel and solving the problems as they come up. I think that's a really important thing. Um, I think, you know, we've had a whole conversation around technology and also with children. And I feel that um, we, we should give parents permission to be able to put boundaries on that for their children. And whatever that means, whatever that means for you, for your household. But I think boundaries and education around technology, I think that's a really, really important thing. Twenty first century life skills warrant twenty first century education. Every human being is born into a classroom, each of us given the same homework, the same core assignments personal care skills, emotional literacy, financial literacy, environmental literacy. These and other essential life skills are unique, learned and used by each of us every day of our lives. Indeed, they are the common thread in our humanity core to individuals and the communities they construct, surviving and thriving. Raising the bar on life skills education for all. This is the mission of Parenting 2.0. Visit www.parenting2pt0.org for more information. And then connecting with our uh, artistic side, the musical side of, of both of us and the references to music. I think having music in your life and whether it's singing, the act of singing, uh, even singing in the shower, you don't, you know, the research has been, has shown that you don't even have to sing in tune for singing to be the same benefit. You can, have the same benefits from singing out of tune as someone who's singing in tune, as far as what it's doing for you inside. Do you know why that is? Do you know why that is, OJ? Because human, uh, it has to, human being. You, you tell me, tell me. Human beings sang before we ever spoke. 
If you look at any language, any human language that's closer to the equator, you'll notice it's much more open, it's much more musical, it has a lot of highs and lows, and, right? You listen to any indigenous language, right? That emerged yes. from that, that part of the world. And then once we separated from the equator and went up into colder climates, what happens when you go outside and it's winter, very, very cold, your jaw tightens up and you could, yeah. right? You start to shiver. That's where speech evolved, was from the change in climate. Think about it. And so you think yeah. of Nordic and, and Germanic languages, right? Everything yeah. very, very tight and very close, right? Whereas you think of the Mediterranean and you think of- Yes, it's very open. Right? So, so to remember that, that human, this, this voice box, this magical little box that lives in all of our throats, is actually designed for singing, not for speech. Yeah. Yes. Every human being can sing. Yes. Tune, Absolutely. tone, that doesn't matter. It's all no. about projecting sound and vibration and frequency. That's, that's the first thing yes. I can. And it's a very healing thing to do, to sing yeah. out, to express yourself in to kind of let go. And so I think, you know, they're, they're my three takeaways. Yes. Uh, but to, to end with singing, I think the world has lost uh, the ability to sing. We, we were all, as you said, we all started as singers. And even I know in my culture in Australia uh, and even Western culture in Australia, a hundred years ago, we were a nation of singers. Yes. And now all of a sudden it's become not cool for young people to sing. Right. You know, and, and I think that we need to we need to go back to our roots and not be scared to express ourselves through song. Every I think child, that's a big Tell me one child who isn't playing with their toys and singing to themselves. Singing. Right? Every yes. so it's the adults. Absolutely. It's the adult world that has gotten, and this is, this is what I come back to, is the vulnerability. That's, that's the key. Because yeah. when you are in your natural state, which like being unclothed is your natural state, mm -hmm. we feel vulnerable when we're unclothed around others, right? Mm -hmm. No different with your voice. Your voice singing is your natural yeah. state. And that opens you up to vulnerability, it opens you up to criticism from others, right? And, and I think that's a key thing with parents, if I can encourage parents listening to this, is please encourage your children to sing when you hear them singing, because so often I think, you know, parents, they get busy and they get, you know, frustrated and then you've got your kids singing in the background, you go, you know, shut up, be quiet. You know, stop singing. It's very easy to to kind of put a you know slam that down onto them, and they go oh, and they learn not to sing. That's right. They learn to by your like. So it's really important, and I think we as adults have to be really careful to encourage young people to express themselves through without song. putting them on the spot and making them perform like you know, yeah. You know, because I remember, I remember feeling that way uh, in my youth. I would say in my twenties and thirties. Whenever anyone asked me to sing, I would feel all all of a sudden I would shut down because, like you said, 
all my life, I heard people telling me, shut up. Right? Exactly. And so it's hard. Exactly. Where's the pivot that you have to navigate as a parent to not discourage your child, but also not yeah. encourage them? And, and for me, I really think the answer is let them watch you, hear you singing. Yeah, be the example. While you're doing your dishes. Sing while you're doing the laundry. Sing while you're out. Sing full voice when you're out mowing the lawn, you know. <laughs> With a hammer, you know. Find your rhythm, you know. Um, rhythm is part of it. Singing is part of it. And I hope someday that you and I, OJ, will get to sing together. I think that would be a blast. That would be magical. And I look forward to that. Let's just, let's just put that out there. I just that did. one day we, we will. And that we will be able to lead a large group of people in song together. How does that sound? I love it. I love it. Um, and actually, we also have coming up, um, and I know this is done through technology rather than in, it's the next best thing right now because we don't have other choices. But um, I think we have an international peace project coming up, which is um, standing together for peace. Oh. and standing for veterans and their families, singing to remember and rethinking remembrance for the next generation. Uh, so I'll send that to you and you can send that out to your I'll listeners. In the description below. So listeners, you can go and I'll also have your, your other links uh, so people can get to them. Yeah, yeah. So we've got, we've, we should be launching that by the end of September, uh, giving people about four weeks to learn the songs or upload their own songs and we're going to have a sing to remember festival and international peace project um connecting out connecting us through technology and through song around the world well you can count on me to be a part of it and i will help promote it and share it so thank you so much for being a guest thank you thank you for having me and yeah and um thank you to everyone listening around the world um, I look forward to connecting with you guys as well and uh, hearing, you know, some of the outcomes of, of what you're thinking about this and some of the, you know, the solutions as well. Absolutely. Well, stay well and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Yes. Thank you. Um, all the best. Bye-bye. Yeah. Kisses. You've been listening to The Lost Traveler with Henry Cameron Allen. For more information, please visit www.henryallen.org. Thanks so much for tuning in, and let's all keep striving for a better world. Thank you.